morning, good morning, good morning. We hope everybody had an amazing Thanksgiving. God bless you so much. I'm Pastor Sean Strickland here with my super cute husband, Pastor Edwin Strickland, and we pastor the greatest church in the world, Fellowship of Champions Church International, and that is all because of you, our covenant partners. And we are so excited to be here this morning. So I've already seen many of you do it where you're hashtag, you tell us where you're watching from. I've seen some of you tag other people in that. Listen, this is our time for social media outreach. Social media outreach is really like an opportunity to do connection and evangelism. If you think about it, we were, we were with some friends the other night just before Thanksgiving, and we were saying it's so important for us to understand when the world is shifting. You know, when my grandmother was alive, then the way to reach people would be to go and knock on their doors. But how many of you know that Facebook and social media is a really people's virtual door that you get to knock on and say, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about what's happening at Fellowship of Champions. And when you share on your page and when you share on your story and when you share in groups that you have permission to share in, that is your way of connecting people. Now, everybody knows that I am a big proponent of sharing on the stories. And some of you still, you're stretching. You haven't mastered that yet, but I believe in 2023, you're going to get it down because the way Facebook has set their analytics up, they're really drawing people toward the stories. So when we share on the stories, they're pushing those stories in a different way than they are when we just share things on our page. That's an important thing to know. So listen, if you see somebody on here, I mean, if you don't see somebody on here that you normally see, tag them, be like, hey, are you in the building? If you're in the building, say, hey, I'm in the building. If you're a first time visitor, say, hey, I'm a first timer. So our virtual greeters can say hello to you. Man, you know that Fellowship of Champions is a church that is here to teach people how to walk in love, how to live by faith and how to experience God's prosperity in every area of life. We are 100% convinced, according to the word of God, that God wants all of us to live the Zoe life, the abundant life, to live an amazing, amazing life. In order to do that, we must be instructed in the word. We can't just wish our way into it. We cannot just hope our way into it. We must be instructed in the word. So I want to give you guys a couple of announcements. Number one coming up in just a few days is the fire experience December 9th through the 10th, um, culminating the entire event with the with the huddle on December 11th. And we're super excited about that. We are glad that we have partners and we have friends of the ministry and we have members of Inner Circle who are coming from over at the last thing they gave me, like 17 states. That is so amazing. But I think we can get to 20. And so if you haven't registered for the fire experience, you can go to www.shiftwithshawn and you can get you a ticket to the fire experience. Now you can come to the huddle. There is no charge for coming to the huddle. It's going to be at 11 a.m. on December 11th. It is our our last opportunity to gather for 2022. And how many of you know this has been a good year? God has been good to us. This has been the year that our man of God told us that we would have. It would be a year of great progress. If you made some progress this year, if you've seen God do some things in your life, if, you're, if your heart has been changed, if you've grown in your character, if you manage your thinking, feeling cycle better, if your faith is increased, if your health is increased, if your finances 
finances in, is increased. I need to see some people praising God right now. I need to see your hearts. I need to see your fire. I need to see your excitement. I need you to see your sharing. I need you testifying that God is indeed who he says who he is. And he does what he says he would do. Amen. It has indeed been our year of great progress but turn and tell your neighbor but we are not done yet mm -hmm. we are not done yet because it is the will of god that we would go from faith to faith to glory to glory to level to level so whatever progress you've made thank you jesus we are so excited but baby we are not done yet we are a ministry that is intent on seeing every believer connected to us have everything God says they should have. Saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, living righteous, good job, good relationship, good health. That is the will of God for your life because I keep saying this. God wants to make all of us a billboard of his goodness. Somebody say, make me a billboard. Now I got to talk about Giving Tuesday. Last week, I want to thank you guys for being such amazing partners. Last Sunday, Pastor Edwin talked about Giving Tuesday, which is actually this Tuesday coming up. And the theme of it is Giving for a Change because it is our second chance scholarship. So for those who need to go back to school, maybe didn't do well the first time, maybe didn't get a chance because of financial limitations, and it's our scholarship. And we set a goal to raise $10,000 by November 29th, which is this upcoming Tuesday. And let me tell you what you guys did because of your great faith. We have already raised $10,950. I need you to go crazy. I need you shouting. I need you turning flips. I need you giving God praise because you guys are an amazing example of what a group of people who choose to believe God and choose to believe in the vision given to our leader can do. And we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. And we also want to say, but we're not done yet. I feel some heat on that this today. We're not done yet. We are not done yet. So I want to remind you that you can give today um, in any of the forms that we have to give. You can click on the um, scholarship fund, the second chance fund, and you can give to the, or it's called Giving, Giving Tuesday. Tuesday. It's called Giving Tuesday. You can do um, you can give today and then you can share it with all your friends tomorrow on Monday. You can share it with all your friends on Tuesday. And listen, let's see how far we can go because we are not done yet. And we can only do this because of you. Because when God does something, he uses people. Thank you for being the kind of people who don't just talk who don't just use your words, but you put your faith in action. And we pray that what you have made happen for this first scholarship recipient, whoever they may be, that anytime you need a second chance, that a second chance anointing is already operative in you because you sold a second chance seed. And I just want to, I want to make a push. Okay. Um, and I want to make a push because I want you to know that $10,950 was raised by 37 people. 
37 people. We oh, have ooh. we have way more partners. Yes. <laughs> or people who have said they are partners than 37. And so maybe you haven't gotten around to it. Maybe you're waiting until Tuesday. But I, I, I thank God for the 37 of us who got together and said we ain't waiting. And we already raised 10,950. But listen, don't drag your feet, okay? Because you have an opportunity. I don't care if it's $5. I don't care if it's $10, $20. You may not think as much, but you have an opportunity to partner with the 37 of us who said, hey, we're going to do something to give somebody a second chance. And when you partner with God to give someone a second chance, you basically sow a seed so that when you need a second chance, you have the ability to harvest it. And I don't know about anybody else, but I wouldn't miss an opportunity to be a part of something like this. I, you know, it was, well, past I didn't, I was going to do it. I forgot. Listen, you have the opportunity until the end of the day on Tuesday to be a part of this. Don't go where well, they already raised 10,000, but have you participated? Have you sown your seed? Have you done what you need to do so that you can command that kind of harvest when you need a second chance? And so I appreciate it. I think it's wonderful. I think it's awesome. But I, if I were you, I wouldn't miss out on the fact that we aren't done yet. I just wouldn't miss out on it. So we certainly appreciate all of you who have given. And I, I'm thanking God for all of you who I know are going to step up uh, and continue to give. Amen. Amen. Hold on just a second. I'm doing something. So let's go ahead. Let's talk about you can become a partner with Fellowship of Champions if you like. Uh, all you have to do is go to our webpage at www.focchurch.com. When you go to focchurch.com, you can scroll down to the very bottom. And when you scroll down to the very bottom of that page, you can just click the registration link and you can become a partner. What does partnership mean? We say all the time partnership uh, has its privileges, right? It's like having an Amex card. Uh, there are some privileges that you get with certain cards, right? But when you're, when you're part of Fellowship of Champion, there are, there's certain privileges you get. What do you get? You get favor to rest on your life because favor rests on this ministry. Uh, you get to partner with people who love God because we love God. Uh, you get to uh, interact with a ministry who believes in serving and helping the community. Why? Because we do that. We pray for you. You pray for us. We increase. You increase. We help the community even more. That's what this partnership is all about. But we don't know that we're partners if you don't tell us. You have to tell us, I want to be a partner of Fellowship of Champions. Can you be a partner if you already have a church home? Sure you can. Can you be a partner if you don't have a church home at all? Absolutely. Can this be your primary church? Absolutely. All of the above. And so you just need to go to our website, fill out that registration, and then let us know how you'd like to be a partner with us. And we'll be so happy to include you in everything that we are doing. Because as we said, we are a church teaching people how to walk in love, live by faith so that everybody can experience God's prosperity. And we want you to be a part of that. Amen. So I just wanted to see something. You said 37 people mm -hmm. raised $10,950. Yep. If we had 33 people who would sow $300 to the scholarship fund, we'd raise another $10,000. Mm -hmm. 33 people who would sow $300. So I want to challenge and, you. And just so we know, the last time I counted, there were 266. After we, re, after we cleared the roll and redid it, there were 267 partners. So I need 33 people to sow $300 and we can double this goal. And if the other 200 of y'all all give something. Give your best gift. Give your best gift. Listen, I know that this, what people don't realize is that people start to feel like, oh, it's getting close to Christmas. Oh, it's getting close to whatever. But understand this. 
God gives seed to the soul. Mm -hmm. And when God finds somebody that is willing to say, God, I will be a quick, prompt to do giver yep. whose heart is cheerful in his giving. Then what God gets interested in is your financial increase. I taught this um, a couple of years ago, but a lot of people are begging for increase. You're praying for increase. You are confessing for increase. There's only one thing you have to do for increase. You sow for increase. Mm -hmm. That's what the Bible says. In Luke 6 and 38, it says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give it to your bosom. In 2 Corinthians, it says, decide what kind of giver you're going to be because however you give, it's going to come back to you. So if you have the ability and you have not given or you did not give your best gift the first time or you're being prompted in your heart, be one of the 33 people. Come on, Angel Preston said, count me in the 33. All right. This is how we do it, right? And understand this, Pastor Elman and I have a tremendous belief. And if you think about this, this really ties into this teaching of not limiting God. Many of you are thinking, I would like to give $300, but instead of saying, God, I would like to give $300, help me give $300, you looked at your account, you looked at your kids' Christmas gifts, you looked at X, you looked at Y, and you looked at something other than God to decide that you can do it. One of the things you have to learn if you're going to live as a giver is that you look to God for seed and bread. It is his responsibility to take care of us. And so don't limit God. And shout out to Angel Preston who said, count me in as one of the 33. And I believe that it's 32 other people who even if they don't say anything, they're going to come in and they're going to be a part of this because God wants to do more in your life. God wants to increase you more and more, you and your children. Amen. And Angie Clinton said that she will give $300. So now we down, we now we only need 31. Listen, I believe that anytime we can see just the seed of it, just the blade of it, that it's already done. So we thank God in advance right now that at the close of Giving Tuesday, we will have at least $20,000. I was thinking about this week. I know we're not into the message yet, but I was thinking about this this week. There are really three things. Kelvin Johnson said, count him in. Amen. Amen. There are really three things that I think that every believer, and I mean, I don't care about denomination or any of that. Every believer needs to know in order not to limit God. Number one, I believe with everything in me, a believer has to truly know and have as the heart of their foundation how much God loves them. Yes. It's not yes. about how much you love God. You have to understand how much God loves you. Once you understand how much God loves you, you have to understand the importance of walking in faith. You, it, 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 the Bible says that we only receive from God by faith. You yes. have to know how to receive by faith. And part of receiving by faith means you have to take action, which leads to the third thing that I think is so important, and that is learning how to obey God. Amen. Quickly obeying God. You got to know how much God loves you. You got to know how to walk by faith, and you got to be an obedient person. Those three things are like these standards that you can wrap everything else you need to know about God and how to live for God around. But those three things are so important when it comes to not limiting God. And so many times, even like this give and tease thing, right? We go, okay, the, the enemy tries to attack you that God doesn't love you because he's trying to take something from you, 
right? Then he tries to get you not to act in faith because God says give and you go, oh, well, if I give, what, what about Christmas? What about I just spent this, all this money on food for Thanksgiving? What about this? What about this? And then the last thing is he's trying to get you to not obey God. And so if he can get you out of the realm of those three things, he can get you to limit what God wants to do in your life. And I just I was thinking about that this week. And, and when you when you started talking about the, the, the giving Tuesday, it was like, yeah, that's what he does. He does it not just with giving Tuesday, but any area of your life. Those are the three areas that he's trying to attack. Do you know how much God loves you? Do you know how to don't know how to walk by faith, like real faith? I ain't talking about I believe and then when a crisis come and pulling my hair out and I'm scared. And then do I obey God even when it's tough? Even when I may be a little fearful and doubtful, do I push through and act in faith by obeying God? So I love that. While you were teaching, I just got to tell you this. Jim Smith said her and her family are in. Amen. Seconda said her, that she, her and her family are Amen. in. Shantae Crockett said count her for Amen. two. And Everett and Amy said count them in. Amen. Right? And that is how we get things done. And if I think all that, of our parties just give their best gifts, we'll have more than enough. But I think it's so important because one of the reasons said said just did it. One of the things that I think is so important, the Jackson said, count them in. I think that this is so important. The reason that we never wanted to be members, we wanted to be partners, is because in most churches, the weight is on the 20%. Yeah. And we want the 100% to partake. So we need the 100% to get involved. And that doesn't mean everybody does the same thing. It means everybody does their best. Everybody and does their everybody best. Everybody does their best. We have everything we need. Every, when everybody does their best. That's a song, ain't it? I might have seen that. And when everybody <laughs> does their best, we have everything that we need. And I think that what people don't understand, because again, this whole series right now is about not limiting, not limiting God, God, right? What people don't understand is that the, the enemy wants you to think that God will never ask you for what's precious to you. Right. God only asks for what's precious to right. you. He only asks for what's precious. Because if it's not precious to you, why in the world would it be precious to him? Yes. It's why he asks us for our life. He says, I need you to lay down your life. Why? So I can give you a better one. But you got to give up what's precious in order to get that which is more precious. Absolutely. And so we're going to get into this teaching um, because we're already in the teaching. Do y'all see that mm. we're already in the teaching? I believe there are some people who took a step of faith. There are some people who took a step of faith and said, you know what, God, I'm going to break this thing in my life where literally I'm in the same financial situation because this is so important. In 2 Corinthians 8, it says that when the church of Macedonia gave to the church of Jerusalem, one of the, the church of Jerusalem was in grave persecution, but the church of Macedonia was very poor. Very poor. But it says the church of Macedonia did not see themselves as poor. Guys, I need you to understand one of the biggest shifts you have to make is you have to stop seeing yourself as the person with the need and the person who is supplied because God is your source. Amen. That will absolutely change your Amen. life. I know that when I made a personal decision to stop, I think I said this last week, I said, you know, I believe it is a level of truth 
that when you have a need, you sow a seed. Mm -hmm. I believe it's a level a of level truth. Of truth yes. I do not believe it's the highest yes. level of truth. Yes. I believe the highest level of truth is when I begin to give from the understanding that God is my source. There you go. So if God is my source, I could never have a need. Hear what I'm about to say to you. If God is my source, I could never have a need. All I could ever have is an opportunity mm -hmm. to see my source show mm -hmm. up. Did somebody ought to grab that in your life right now? If God is my source, I could never actually have a need. All I have is an opportunity to see God be God. So anything that looks like a need in my life, what would happen if you reprogrammed your entire mind, according to Romans 12 and 2, and instead of seeing things as need, you, BJ Page says she just snatched that, that instead of seeing it as a need, you saw it as an opportunity for God to display that he was your source. Mm -hmm. Now, that goes back to the three things that you just told us. If I saw God as my source and I knew how much God he loved, loved me, I could never think that a need was going to take me out. Right. I could only see a need as an opportunity for God to be God in my mm -hmm. life. I couldn't help but trust God, right? And I could not help but obey God because why would I not want to obey my source? This is interesting. And, and you know, and then we'll keep going. Yesterday we were standing in the kitchen and Canaan says to me, and I thought it's, I thought, I think it so goes to this message right here, right? We were having this conversation about how people in our family are wired, whether people in our family, um, what their generosity looks like. And we she was saying, My generosity is I will buy you your own fries, but I don't want you to take my fries, right? She's telling me this, right? And then she said, except dad, because dad can have anything I have. And dad can have anything that I have because dad gives me everything that he has. Hmm. Now, understand what she just said right there. She said, the rest of y'all is my family. Y'all is all cool. And if y'all want some French fries, I will buy y'all some French fries. But I don't really. She said, okay, mom, I'll do it for you, too. She said, but dad is all dad. She said, I am convinced that dad will give me anything he has. And so how could I not give dad my French fries even if I wanted them? Mm. Even if I wanted them. Guys, did y'all hear, did you hear what she just said? She said, because I see him as my source, even if he asked me for the thing I want, I will give him the thing that I want because he will give me anything he has. Mm. What would happen in your life yeah. if you said, God is my source mm. and I will give yes. him anything, anything he I, wants, yes. even, even if, if I, I want it. it, even if I want it, I will give it to him because he is my source. She, I'm not arguing with dad about whether he can have some of my french fries. Many of you are still arguing with God about whether he can have some wow. of your money wow. or how much of your money he can wow. have or how much of your life that he can have. And we've told you this for years. Whatever you keep, you're responsible for. Yeah. 
Whatever you won't be, bring under the dominion of God, you are responsible for. So you can have the biggest, most beautiful prophetic words over your life. But if you, if you keep your career under your control, if you keep your marriage under your control, if you keep your money under your control, you are responsible for it. I don't know about you. I can't afford me. No. That's right. I can't afford me. Mm -hmm. And really, that's all Canaan was saying. Canaan was saying, I can't afford me. So I got to stay attached to the source that can afford me. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think it goes back to that thing. Do you know how much God really loves you? Yes. Because if you know how much God loves you, nothing he asked you for. And I'm not saying that. I'm not saying. The piggy said they said Amen. That. I'm oh, not yes. saying that we don't have times where God asks us for something and it makes our chest tight. There are times that God asked me to do something or to go somewhere or to give something or to believe him for something. And it makes my chest tight. But at the end of the day, how could I not follow through when he's been so faithful and everything else? And that's really what what she was saying to you. You know, at the end of the day, Canaan knows, my, hopefully all my kids know at the end of the day, if you need and I have, you got it. Now, here's the great thing about God. He didn't ever run short. <laughs> I might run short sometime if I if I get disconnected from the supply. But now my confession is I never run short because I'm always connected to the supply. But at the end of the day, God's never going to run. God's never going to run short. I think Canaan has tapped into something more. Canaan doesn't just believe if you need if she needs you will supply. She literally believes if she is willing and obedient, you will give her all the desires of her heart. Her text, her text messages seem to indicate that. She really does believe. <laughs> she really does believe that. And that's what we should believe about God. And hear me, guys. I want you to hear me. Number one, it doesn't matter whether you had a father in your life, because I hear some of you saying, well, if I had a dad who treated me like that, then I would believe but that. You do but now. I can tell you that, number one, you do have a father. And I can tell you that all of our kids do not respond the way that Canaan responds. So it's not necessarily about the purse, the father. It is about whether you have the capacity to receive. You have to stretch your capacity to receive. Everybody say stretch. You've got to stretch. Your, how are you not going to limit God? How are you going to use your faith? You must stretch your capacity to believe. You must begin to tear down that God doesn't love you. Must. You must begin to tear down that God would do for strict and not do for Sean. You must break up with all of that comparison. You must stop trying to run your own life. You must choose by faith to believe you are loved. Yep. You, we receive the love of God by faith. We must choose to believe it by faith. We must choose to walk in faith and we must choose to obey. And I need I, somebody That's put it. this in the comments. I need everybody. I don't care. And I say this to Canaan all the time and it make her a little salty. I say to Canaan, I say, Canaan, whatever you see from your natural dad, it is an extension of your heavenly father. And for however good your dad is to you, Abba is so much oh, yeah. better than your Absolutely. dad. Because I'm trying to build Absolutely. that. I'm trying to use that bridge that she has with you. Guys, you got to make a decision. I need all 65 of y'all who are here this morning to say, as an act of your faith, God loves me. God loves me. God loves me.
And then I want you to say, and I trust God. There you go. God loves God me, loves me. And I trust God. And I trust God. Amen. God loves me and I trust God. Yes. God is never trying to take anything from you. God is never trying to withhold good from you. God is never trying to keep you going through. God is not out here giving his tough the hardest battles to the toughest soldiers. God is not out here keeping you in a in, in a barren land so that you can praise him. God is not out here got you going from struggle to struggle. God wants you to live. Mm -hmm. But you got to make a choice. God loves me. He loves me. And because and he loves him. me, I trust him. Yes. And I demonstrate my trust in obedience. Mm -hmm. Now, how you want to transition? So really, let's just let's just let's just get into it then. You know, today we're talking about not limiting God, and a part of not limiting God is learning how to use your faith. You know, we actually started off talking about that, using your faith for the giving Tuesday. But you don't just use your faith for giving, you use your faith for living. You use your faith for you everything. You use your faith for living. You That's good. For living. You need to be able to live by faith. And so I want to jump into kind of where we were and then just jump into a few of the things we hadn't gotten to the last couple of weeks. But in Numbers chapter 11, verse 18 through 23, we talked about this. You know, one of the things that you can do to limit God is what the children of Israel were doing in Numbers chapter 11. They were complaining. They were, this whole chapter is about their complaining. It's all about how God brought them out of Egypt. Then they got upset because they wouldn't eat what they was eating in Egypt. They were having to be out in the desert, but they were safe. They weren't under bondage anymore, but yet they were complaining, complaining, complaining. And I, and I was saying to, actually to our kids, a uh, conversation we had yesterday, I was saying one of the things that happens that, that causes people to limit what God does in their life is they spend all their time complaining. When you're complaining all the time, you can't be in faith. And we said one of the most important things you got to be able to do is to do what? Use your faith. And so Numbers chapter 11, uh, verse 18 through 23, just read it real quick. It says, uh, the Lord said to Moses, he said, tell the people this. He says, make yourselves ready for tomorrow. Tomorrow you're going to eat meat. He says, the Lord heard you when you cried out and said, we need meat to eat. It was better for us in Egypt. And I, and I just want to pause and think about that. Don't let God bring you out of bondage. And then because you're having to now use your faith, you're, you're, you're now saying it was better to be back in Egypt. I'm, it's an extreme example, but I, I said to somebody one time, you know, if you were making a lot of money because you were selling drugs and now you stop selling drugs and you working a nine to five, it may seem like God took you out of one situation and put you in a bad situation because you're like, I'm only making X amount of dollars. But when I was selling drugs, I was doing all of this. Don't be looking back at the streets again. When God brings you out of something, he walks you to a greater place. And so they were literally in bondage in Egypt. They were they were being treated as slaves. They were being uh, told they had to make bricks without all the proper ingredients. God delivers them. And then they say, we ain't got nothing. To, we don't have meat. Not that they weren't eating, but we don't have meat to eat. Uh, it says, so now the Lord will give you meat. It says, and he will and you will eat it. You will eat it for more than one or two or five or 10 or even 20 days. He says, you're going to eat the meat for a whole month until you are sick of it. He says, this is going to happen because you did what? Complained against the Lord. 
He says, he lives among you and he knows what you need. Here's the thing, we ought to hear that. He lives among us and he, and he knows, knows what, what we need. need. It's why we say all the time, God already knows what he gonna do. We say it to each other all the time. God already knows what he's gonna do. And so why? Because he lives among us and he knows what we need. He says, but you cried and complained to him. You said, why did we ever leave Egypt? Moses said, Lord, there are 600,000 soldiers here. And you're saying to me to tell them I'm going to give them enough meat to eat for a whole month? He says, if we were to kill all the sheep and cattle that we have, that would still not be enough to feed this many people for a month. Even if we caught all the fish in the sea, it would not be enough for them. It says, but the Lord said to Moses, do not or don't limit my power. You will see that I can do what I say I can do. And this is the thing I think when I started studying this again, that I was like, man, what are the areas in my life where I've limited God? What are the areas when God told me that, that when I was fasting not too long ago and the Lord took me to this thing, and he said, I want, to, I want you to ask me for some things. And one of the things he told me to ask him for, for me, I saw it as a big thing. And I was like, I don't really even know if I can ask God for this. And he said, don't limit me, just ask me. If you just ask me and then I'll show you that I can be what I say I can be in your life. Why is this important? Because we know that every promise, that every principle and every prophecy has what attached to? A faith process. A faith process. Everybody say faith process. A faith process. A faith process. And if you don't understand the faith process, then you really limit God because that's the only way he gives to his children. He gives to his children through faith. In fact, the scriptures are filled with the promises of God that he has made uh, with his children in covenant. And, and they, he says they are only obtained by faith. God doesn't really hide anything from us. He hides things for us. He hides them for us in faith. And we have to be willing to understand, to learn the faith process, and then to use that faith process every single day. And the faith process has changed our life. Absolutely. It has changed our life because the faith, learning to walk by faith will have you see opportunities where other people see limitations. Mm -hmm. Learning to walk by faith is how you're going to get over setbacks, right? And so, um, you know, we want to look at Mark 11, 23 through 24, because we really need to understand how to walk by faith. He says, for verily I say unto you that whosoever mm -hmm. shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be cast in the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things mm -hmm. that he says. What shall, shall come to pass? Shall. He shall have whatsoever he say. said. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, when? believe you receive them and ye shall have them. When do you receive them? When you pray. When you pray. This is so important. And this is really what makes the word of faith movement distinctively different from all other denominations of believers. Because faith says, according to this scripture, two things must happen. I must believe it when I say it mm -hmm. and I must believe I receive it when I pray. It. Mm -hmm. I believe it works like this most of the time. 
I believe that God puts a desire in our heart. He puts desires in our heart. I believe we see it as early as Genesis. He puts something in Adam's heart where Adam knows that he should have a spouse, right? He puts a desire in our heart and then we start talking about that desire. We start talking about, because I don't think you always pray first. I think you start wrapping your brain around it. Oh, could we really buy a car debt free? Could we really have a marriage with days of heaven on earth? And then it gets so big in us that we start to believe, yeah, we could buy a car debt free. Yeah, we could have a marriage with days of heaven on earth. So then we go to God and then we say, it is my desire to buy a car debt free. It is my desire to have a marriage with days of heaven on earth. And I believe that that's your desire for me too. And I believe that I have received this now when I pray, not when I see. Right. Does this make sense, guys? So I believe that's why he said to Joshua, meditate on what I'm mm -hmm. saying to you. So when God, so I watched you as God began to and not just And not just meditate every now and then. He meditate. Gave specific instructions of day and night. When to meditate. Day and night. Day and night. Day and night, right? So what happens is, is that, for example, let's use something that God has given this, this ministry. God told us that every partner, say every partner, every partner, every partner could make at least a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Now, what many of you did is that you looked at your current education, yeah. you looked at your age, you looked at everything but God. But what some people began to do is that they began to meditate in the night watches. God, you said I could. You had my man of God tell me that everybody should make a hundred thousand dollars. I'm a part of Fellowship of Champions. I see myself making a hundred thousand dollars. And what people needs to understand is that as you meditate on, you become whatever you meditate on. Mm -hmm. Guys, hear me. You become whatever you meditate on. Some of you live in a perpetual cycle of struggle because that's what you meditate on. You're always meditating on the need. You're always meditating on what you don't have. But we had a group of partners who began to meditate on seeing themselves as six-figure earners. And, and they actually went from saying, God, Pastor Edwin said, to God, you said. And then they transitioned from God, you said, to God, I thank you that I, that I. That I, and, I thank and, and you when they, that And I. when you make that, because at some point it's, yes, my pastor said, but it's got to be more than just your pastor said, you got to hear God say it to you. And then when God says it to you, then you have the ability to be like, God, I heard you say, and then it gets so real inside of you before you ever even see it naturally. You're like, God, I thank you. I'm a six-figure earner. God, I thank you that you bring six figures into my life, however you want it. It don't have to just come from my job. Multiple streams of income, however you want to do it, God, I thank you for it. At a minimum, that's what I make. And so what I, what I typically see, which really goes to Matthew 13, where it talks about what we do when we receive the word, right? Some people receive the word and they meditated on the word and they began to produce and they increased, mm -hmm. right? But when they increased, they didn't increase to six figures. So they got comfortable where mm -hmm. they were. And that's why they didn't mm -hmm. go to the next month. Because he took them from the, 40 to 80. He took them from 40 to 80. And some of you could just say, ouch. Is that you settled in a land that was better than, but yeah. it wasn't the promised land, right? 
You begin to say, well, I should just be thankful because I make more than I ever have. But do you make what God said this house should make? Or being thankful for you. Well, I don't make it, but my spouse does. Well, God called you individually too. So it doesn't have to be just your spouse or just your friends doing it. God wants you to experience it as well. So then some people, they got it. And then they let the cares of life and the deceitfulness mm. of riches. Now they don't pay as much attention to God. So yeah, they making six figures, but they don't have the peace they used to have. Right. They don't have the right. joy that they used to have because they forgot that the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and it add no sorrow. no sorrow. But there is a group of people, and I believe everybody who is on here is one of them. It says that they believe and receive the word with joy, and they produce Psalm 30, Psalm 60, and Psalm 100 fold. If that you you ought to say it's you but the principle in matthew in mark 11 is so clear i must believe i, I believe. receive yes i must say it until i believe i receive it and then i must believe i receive it when i pray it looks like this i believe my man of god I believe that you did not give him that word to torment mm -hmm. me. I believe that you have a way to bring me into this place. I'm not sure how you're going to do it. But Father, I thank you that I'm a six-figure earner. In fact, I already see myself giving $10,000 in time. Yep. I already see myself giving another 5% yep. in, in, in yep. offering. I already see it. Because the Bible says we, Jesus instructed them to become what they believe. Some of you cannot shift because you have not believed you are anything other than the person that you are right now. Yep. When God says who you are, you must stop. How do we say that? When he tells you. Confer no longer. When God says something to you. You confer no longer with flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. You confer no longer with flesh and blood. You have to believe you receive. Why would God tell you? Why would God give you a word for you to be disappointed? Mm -hmm. The Bible says they that hope in him will not be put to shame. He's looking for someone to say, I'm not sure how you're going to do it, but you big enough to yeah, do it. Yeah. And I believe I receive it. See, we must understand that the development of our faith is just as important to, to, our, to our spiritual lives as taking in nourishment is for our natural body. Everybody on this broadcast knows that you can fast from food and you can fast from water. But at some point, your body needs them both. Yes. Your body needs them both. In the same way, you don't always have to be exercising your faith. But at some point, your body's going to need it. And the problem with not exercising it daily is you don't develop that faith muscle. If you, it's, it's, It would be like equivalent to me going to a gym and said, I want to bench 400 pounds now. I, there's no way I can bench press 400 pounds. Now, I can develop and work over time to get to 400 pounds bench press, but I can't do that today. And the problem is we wait until we have 400 pound problems mm. in our life, and then we try to bench press it. And then we talk about, well, God don't love me or my faith don't work. Your faith works because you've been given a measure of it, but you ain't did nothing with the measure since you got it. 
And that is the reason that as believers, we must be instructed in faith because faith is not automatic. Dr. Ivy Hilliard says that all the time. And it's one of the, he says a lot of things I love. It's one of the things I love that he says. Faith is not automatic. We, 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 we act like it is just because people come to church. We say, well, you know what? You got to walk in faith. Walk by faith, not by sight. But what does that really mean? What does that really look like? And that's the reason that I, I so love this ministry, because we've taken time to say, wait a minute. If we're going to tell people to walk in faith, we got to show people what that looks like. And I think one of the great examples of that, and you actually just talked about it, it's not even in, 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 the, in the banner, so don't worry about it, but it's Mark chapter 9. It may be, and I'm not sure. It's, it's been a couple of weeks since I did it, but Mark chapter 9, Jesus literally is talking to a group of people, and they say to him, hey, Jesus, we're, you know, we're blind. We, we want to be able to see. Can you help us? And Jesus says to the blind people, he says to them, do you believe that you can see? Do you believe you can see? He asked somebody who can't see, do you believe you can see? They just told him. Now think about this in the natural. They saying, Rabbi, Rabbi, Jesus, we heard you can heal. They don't know where he is. They, they, they can't see him. But they say, we, we know that you heal people. Can you heal us? That was their question to him. Jesus didn't say, well, yeah, I'm the son of God. I can do anything. What he said to them was, do you believe you can see? He asked them the question. Why? Because he knew they needed to exercise their faith. And they said, yes, we believe. And what did he say? Then become what, what you, you believe. believe. And the Bible says their eyes open instantly. Sometimes we just need to believe what it is we say we want. <laughs> we need to believe that, yes, God says I can make six figures. I believe that. God says I can have a great marriage and a great relationship with my kids. Yes, I believe that. God says to me that I can have a job that I actually enjoy going to, or I can just be my own boss. I believe whatever God says, and I can become what I believe. It's the same way with the woman who had the issue of blood. When she, she, she had to exercise her faith, she said, if I can just what? Touch the hem of his garment. She did it, and because of her faith, she became a whole because we know other people were brushing up against Jesus. Because she said, if I can but touch but him. But touch him. And I think the thing is, is that pe because people, that's why I think Romans 12 and 2 is such a favorite scripture of ours, right? Because you cannot walk by faith if you don't deal with your thinking. Yeah. If you don't deal with what you actually really think, then what you end up doing is mentally assenting. This is one of the things. This is an example. Lots, you know, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of entrepreneurs will say things to me like, God told me to go get a job to be on my business, right? And sometimes that is code for, I am afraid and it is easier for someone to give me an hourly salary than for me to learn how by faith to produce this over and over again. Yes. Because the reality of it is, is that as an entrepreneur, the difference between being an entrepreneur and working for someone else is that in most cases, unless you are in sales, it is not your responsibility to figure out where the money is going to come from for where you're going to get yes, your check. Sir. It's already in the yep. budget. 
So then you have a good month this month, say your business makes $5,000 and what that stinking thinking tries to come and do and now say, but can you do it again? Mm. But the same faith that did it in October is the same faith that does it in November. But what we do is that instead of just obeying what God is saying, we start looking at all we do like Peter. You start looking at the ways where nobody's really buying this time of year. Nobody's doing any of this. And then you end up convincing yourself that God said something that he didn't say. And now you're in deception and presumption and foolishness instead of actually being in faith. You know, we look at if we look at Jeremiah, the 17th chapter. Jeremiah, I love when I love how the Lord deals with Jeremiah, right? Uh, in so many places. But in Jeremiah 17, verse 7 through 8, in the easy read version, it says this. It said, But those who trust in the Lord, it says, they will be blessed. It says, they know that the Lord will do what he says. They know that. The issue for many people, if we're just honest, we want God to be faithful over his word but we don't really know if he will be. Mm. And, and, yeah. and, 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 and that's just being honest. God, I want you to be faithful over your word. I, I've heard you was faithful for Sean. I heard you was faithful to Ralph and to Sid and to Chris and, and to Latanya. I heard you were faithful to them, but will you be faithful to me? That's the real question. That's, the, that's that inner thing that we have to settle for ourselves. And in Jeremiah, he said, but those who trust in the Lord, you had people in the group earlier to say what? They trust God. He says, those who trust in the Lord, they will be empowered to prosper. It says, they know that the Lord will do what he says. They will be strong like trees planted near a stream that send out roots to the water. Why do you need to be strong? Because you're going to face some adversity. You're going to face some storms. But God has already told us how we strive through those storms. First of all, we got to trust him. We got to know that he's going to do what he says. We have to understand that whatever it is that God is, is, is telling us he's going to do, he's going to be faithful to see it come to pass. Uh, it says they have nothing to fear when the days get hot. In other words, when trouble comes, when, when issues arise, when, when problems show up, when circumstances change, they have nothing to fear. Why? For their leaves are always green. In other words, they're always in faith. They are always connected to the source. That's what keeps the trees' leaves green because water is always flowing. Faith is always flowing when we're connected with God. It says they never worry. They never worry. Even in a year that has no rain, they always still do what? Produce fruit. If you, if you read Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8, there is no reason you should not trust in the Lord. It says, listen, if you trust in him, He's going, to, he's going to be empowered to prosper. He's going to do what he says. You will not have to fear. Even when trouble comes, he says, you're going to always be prospering. You ain't going to have to have no worry. Even when the economy seems like it, you should be worrying. He says, you ain't going to worry about that. Gas prices going up. Food prices going up. Shrinkflation is happening. Every, everything. Go, you, but you're not shrinking back. You, you, you're still doing everything you were doing before and doing it on a higher level. Why? Because you will always produce fruit. In the comment section, I need you to write this. Say, my faith always produces fruit. My faith always produces fruit. Why? Because my faith is rooted in God. This is how good God is. 
God is so good that he knew we would need faith to live. So the Bible says he didn't give us a measure of faith. He gave us the, the measure of the faith, measure. which means he gave us all the same faith. And I we don't remember, have diluted faith. We do not have diluted faith. And I remember when I used to say to Pastor Cynthia, then why doesn't my faith produce like yours? And she said, you don't, you haven't exercised your faith like I've exercised And then she used to faith. also say, because you don't take God, God seriously. seriously. <laughs> you don't you take, take God, God seriously. If you take God seriously, your faith will produce just like Jesus' faith. And I, and now, I, well, you know, at first I was like, come on, mom, give me more than that. But as I grew in my maturity of understanding faith, I'm like, she's 100% correct. Okay. You don't take God seriously. You don't want to hear it, guys. But the reason you didn't make six figures this year is you didn't take God seriously. Mm. The reason you didn't See? get the house this See? year is because you didn't take God seriously. Mm. The, re the only reason you would not have it, it ain't a devil big enough to stop what God is doing in your life. Let me tell you what, and the Lord literally said this, it's a couple of women on here. Every time you got ready for increase, something happened in your family and you got distracted by your kids. And these are your adult kids. Mm. You got caught up in drama that wasn't your business. You got caught up in trying to help what was not your assignment to help and you missed your moment. But here's the great thing about God. I love God because when you miss a moment to oh, do it in 2022, you can get it in 2023. Mm -hmm. You can get it is you can get it mm -hmm. in 2023 because you don't understand that the enemy's job is to put so much wind and waves around you that you would be distracted from what God said. You don't, and 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 let me tell you something. And it's a hard thing. It's a, because what, it, what it, I was about to say. It's a, it's a, hard, a hard, it's a thing. hard thing because hard what thing. what your what your natural inclination is is to be offended at the person who's saying to you, you don't, you don't take, take God, God seriously. seriously. What the enemy wants is he wants the spirit of offense to rise up in you and say, well, Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean, y'all don't know what I've been through. You don't know what's happening to me. You don't know. Listen, baby, get past all of that emotional issues, okay? Settle your spirit, your, settle your soul, and listen to what we're saying. You don't take God serious, and that's why it hasn't shown up yet. All you have to do is make the adjustment. We had to make it. Everybody I know who's ever walking in what it is that God's called them has had to make it. You have to take God so serious that that thing that God has promised you, it just shows up in your life. And you take God serious until it does. Well, Pastor Edwin, it's been three years, but how you know the fourth year ain't the year it shows up? Do, do you stop taking God serious? Because if I take, here's the thing. My mother is my mother. And I take my mother being my mother seriously. So whether she's good or bad, she's still my mom. Whether, whether she calls me or doesn't call me, she's still my mama. So at the end of the day, whether or not I see what God says in the natural or not, he's still my daddy. But here's the thing I can hold on to. Here's the thing I can hold on to. When I pray, I believe what? I receive. If I receive, I have the title deed to the thing I believe for. So it's just as real to me now before it ever shows up. But if you can't make that transition, you're always judging your believing based on whether it shows up in the natural. I'm going to prove to you that people know how to walk by faith. Okay. I'm going to prove to you that people know how to walk by faith. If most people, even men, if they find out that their wife is having a baby, even if 
they didn't plan to have a baby at that time. The priorities of what they are looking at change. Certainly should. <laughs> no, I'm I'm, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm saying yes. I'm, I'm not talking about yes. I'm, I'm not yes. talking yes. about yes. men who don't yes. do right. Yes. I'm saying that when we first got pregnant, things you had never looked at before, right. you begin to look at because you are in expectation that at a point in time, a baby is going to manifest, yep. right? Yep. So when a woman says to me, I'm believing God for a new house, but you ain't out looking for a house. You ain't got a box pack. You ain't got a Pinterest board built with some rooms. I know you're not in faith because I have yep. watched women who did not think they were getting married, meet the man and go get a broader book. Yeah. Meet the man and start and find have a soon. book before. <laughs> got a book. No, no, no. No, let's yeah, talk about that. They, 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 get a man. They, got, they know what their wedding gonna look you like. You got before. a book before because you are so full of expectations. You done named your that kids. You done gave them kids names. You've named them before you ever even conceived them. So yes, that's what faith looks like. So you're not going to tell me that you're believing God for a six-figure job while you're still applying for $40,000 jobs yeah. because you don't believe that you have become a six-figure earner yet, which is why you haven't become a six-figure earner yet. Yeah. And so what happens is we're going to give you these five faith expectations, but understand this, the five faith expectations don't work for people who don't believe they receive. Yeah. The five faith ex expectations, I'll list them and then we can walk through. And, because, but, and, and before you list it, the reason that that is so important is because, again, I keep saying to people, and I keep saying this, you have to be instructed in faith. Just hearing the word faith and thinking that you're in faith is what, it is what traumatizes so many people. To be in faith means that you have a word from God that causes you to act. If there is no act, you are not in faith. I don't have to have faith for this computer that's sitting in front of me. Why? Because I can see it. I can touch it. If I can interact with, if I can interact with it with my five senses, I don't need faith for it. I need faith for what I can't see. I need faith for what I can't touch. I need faith for what I can't activate with my five senses. And so when we talk about, okay, how do you know whether or not you are in faith? Well, there are five faith expectations that you have, not can have, but that you have when you are in faith. Now you can talk about those. So it's five faith expectations, wisdom, favor, a miracle, a plan of action, and strength to endure till change comes, okay? So wisdom, it is the accurate application of knowledge, both natural and spiritual. Yes. So wisdom is the accurate application of knowledge, both, both natural and spiritual. But I got to say this, understand this, that when you don't believe what God says, even when he's giving you instruction, you don't follow it. Mm -hmm. So you go to somebody, they work on your resume. 
You go to somebody. They help you with your cover letter. You come and talk to Pastor Edwin. He says, only apply for jobs that look like this. You've had wisdom given to you, but because you don't yet see yourself as that thing, you find an excuse not to follow the wisdom. Which is why we say that really, what I, when I tell you that, I'm giving you knowledge and instruction. When you apply what I've told you, it becomes wisdom because wisdom is the accurate application of that knowledge. When we you know that's why the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, ask God. Why would we ask God? Because God gives us instruction. When God gives us instruction and then we do what God says, then it becomes wisdom for us. The issue is, is that we listen to a lot of other people and we take their knowledge and put it to practice in our life. And call that wisdom and it is wisdom of the world but it's not necessarily wisdom from god but the highest form of wisdom is when we get knowledge from god and then apply it in our lives amen amen so you so so you know it's like hey what am i supposed to do how am i going to repair this marriage well don't just read a book read a book and ask god because what the book says may not be what god wants you to do so it's important for you to ask God so you can apply God's knowledge. That's why I say it's both natural and spiritual. Because he may give you something natural to do, but he may give you something spiritual to do. No, I think he's going to give you both. And I, I don't think we're saying something different. I think, I think we're saying something yeah. ain't. And I am saying that because of God orchestrates things, he has given us fivefold ministry gifts to instruct us and mentors and coaches to instruct us in the way that we should go. So if we, and we live this way, yeah. when we didn't know, if we ever don't know what to do, we pray, we fasted, and we don't have an answer. If we go and ask the Brazeltons, we are going to do what they say. How many times though, do people come and ask what they should do, and then they don't do right. what they were instructed? Absolutely. They don't follow the instruction. Yeah, Pastor Edwin, how can I get a six-figure job? Yeah. Pastor Sean, how can I scale to a six-figure business? We literally give you a three-step plan. We say, do this, this, and this. And then what happens is one of your kids act crazy, your husband act crazy, something go on in the world, and then you end up saying, but I didn't do what God said. If I don't follow the instruction, I can't get the outcome. Mm -hmm. So then the other thing is that he gives us is favor. Does that make sense to y'all? Do you understand that? Can you see times that you write that God has raised up someone? You didn't know how to get a job. Pastor Elwin gave instruction, but you didn't follow it. You didn't know how to change your marriage. We taught marriage essentials, but you still didn't do the marriage essentials. The knowledge doesn't do you. And, and, and I'm just going to say this. Everybody may not like this, but if you don't know what to do, and you go and ask somebody who has proof. Notice I said proof. Put proof in the comments. If you go and ask somebody who has proof, why in the world would you not at least try to implement what they told you to do? And I think that's where a lot of people really miss it, right? So then he says he's going to give you wisdom. And then he says he's going to give you favor. What's favor, babe? Favor is the divinely motivated assistance of others using their power and abilities to assist you and myself in our endeavors that God has called us to. In other words, if God has called me to do something, I don't have to worry about having all the ability to do it myself. 
because I know that when I'm in faith, not only will God give me knowledge that if I apply it will become wisdom for my life, but God will raise up other people alongside of me to help me do what I could not do myself. Glory to he, God. He will raise up godly others to help me do what I could not do myself because favor is a divinely motivated assistance of other people who will use their talents, their abilities, and their resources to assist me in getting the job done that God's called me to. Hey, sometimes ungodly people, he will call somebody who's not even a believer to bring your resume yep. to the front of the list. Yep. He will call somebody to favor you who mentors you in, a, in your job yep. that don't even believe in Jesus. He will raise up someone to favor you. Yep. But if you won't be in the right place at the right time, you miss your favor moments. Yep. Tell your neighbor, don't miss your favor moments. Don't miss your favor moments. Don't miss your favor moments. And you miss your favor moments when you operate in disobedience or you are slow to obey. Slow to obey. Slow to obey. Do not be slow to obey. I cannot tell y'all the number of times that I have watched Pastor Edwin. He's a big list person. I cannot tell you the number of times I have watched him make a list and, and the next morning God starts moving the order of that list. That what he thought he should do as number one ended up being number seven. Why? Because God was orchestrating the right people at the right time to do what it is that needed to be done. When Here's a great example. When I bought my car last year, Right. Mm -hmm. When I went to buy my car, I had never seen that car before. I decided that I wanted that car. Right. Said who knows all things about cars. He's looking to see if I can get a better deal for that car somewhere. Literally, God raised up favor. He said, buy this car from this lady right here. We could have bought the car any place in the country we wanted to. But the Lord favored her. Don't miss your favor moments because you are not where you are supposed to be or you are where you're supposed to be, but you're not doing what you're supposed mm -hmm. to be doing. Man, because favor is game changer. Absolutely. Favor is game changer. And, and, and there be a, there be times where you will need favor more than you need money. Absolutely. Because money won't get you necessarily in a door, but favor will. When I missed my flight a couple of weeks ago, um, they literally took 30 minutes to find me another flight. There wasn't an easy flight to get me on. They had to be willing to break that system down and do it took two of them. And they were like, you're so nice. We just going to find you another flight, even though it wasn't another flight. And they maneuvered that thing until they were able to create two separate trips to get me where I needed to go. That was favor. Favor follows faith. You don't just get favor because you say favor ain't fair. And, I, and Lord, give me favor. Favor follows faith. So people who are disobedient don't really need favor. They don't even get it. The people who practice And if they do get it, they only get it in the same sense that it rains on the just as well as the unjust. They don't walk in favor. No, I love what says says. Favor will get you the correct doctor in an mm -hmm. emergency situation, right. right? So then, so... We know there's wisdom. There are five, these five faith expectations. When I get in faith, when God tells me I can make six figures, when God tells me I can have a million dollar business, when God tells me he can turn my marriage around, what's God going to do? These are things I can expect. I can expect wisdom. Mm -hmm. I can expect a favor, favor, and then I can expect miracles. Mm -hmm. Miracles is the supernatural intervention of God, whereby he suspends 
natural yes, laws yes. and gets directly involved in my life in order to assist me in accomplishing a divine task or goal. Yes. I cannot predict a miracle, I but I can certainly believe I can for certainly one. Believe in one. I can certainly believe for one. Sure what has happened in terms of me traveling and speaking is a miracle. If you look at most of the people that I share a stage with, yeah. they have ministries that are multi times bigger than our ministry. Yeah. But what God did is he gave me wisdom to follow a specific set mm -hmm. of instructions. He gave me favor. People begin to open doors for me and introduce me to people because they believed I had a solution for those. And so then God suspended some natural processes that people usually walk in to get where they are. Yeah. But I wouldn't have even been in position for a miracle if I had discounted the wisdom and wasn't in position for the favor. Yeah. Right? Yep. So he's going to give us miracles. But then this the one the saints don't like. Baby, what he going to give you is a plan of action. A plan of action. He going to give you a plan of action. A series. You should underline this when you write it. A series of divinely laid out steps yep. to bring the acquisition of the desire to pass. They're going to be divinely laid out. The experts may say, do it in this order. It may make natural sense to do it in this order, but the Holy Spirit is going to say, no, move number three to number two and don't do number one until X happens. And I, and I think one of the things you talked about when you talk about me moving my list in the mornings, this is exactly why. I, I, I know intellectually and naturally the things I need to accomplish. Come on, days. teach. So what I do when I make my original list is I just dump those. I don't care about a order. I'm just trying to get them out of my brain so I don't forget the things that I have to do. So after I've made my list of the 10, 20 things that I need to get done in the next 24 hours, then I, I walk away from it. And I say, okay, Lord, these are the things that I got to do. You know, I, you know what I got to do. You know the best way to get them done. Will you tell me the best way to get them done in the order I wish you should get them done in. And sometimes he'll tell me then, sometimes I go to sleep, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, whatever, but then I'll start moving those things on my list. Why? Because if God tells me that I need to go and, and make a phone call and return a phone call at 9 a.m., but I had it as number 13 on my list, well, I don't need to make that list after I've done the other 12 things. I need to do it at 9 a.m. And so I begin to move things on my list. Why? Because I want to have a divinely laid out action plan for the steps I need to take for that day so that I can get everything God wants me to get accomplished, accomplished in that day. So what I hear you saying is that if I'm rigid to how things need to be done, I'm going to miss how God is orchestrating favor. For because me. what I learned is that I have to be uh, committed to my outcome, but, what? but flexible in my approach. I got to be committed <laughs> to my outcome but flexible in my approach. And let me tell you something. God trains us in all of these. Um, a, a week or so ago, you remember this. I was laying in bed and I literally was saying I didn't have any clients. I didn't have anything to do that day. And I was tired of traveling. So I was going to rest. I was sitting there and the Lord said to me, I literally said to you, I don't know why he said this to me. He said, get up right now and clean out those four drawers and mm -hmm. get up and take it to goodwill. Right. 
I don't know on my end why it was necessary for me to do that. Right. But all I could believe, all I had to work on is that I had something in one of those drawers that somebody else had prayed for and he knew I didn't need it anymore and he needed me to move expeditiously. One of the things, one of the reasons I practice, come on, one come of the on. things that I come practice being a quick, prompt to do giver, do it then, to be a do it then person, yes. is because when I need it done, then I, I need whoever, that kind of seed in the he, ground. Whoever he is, whoever he is divinely motivating to assist me, I need them to move quickly. I can't expect to reap. Or to harvest quick. someone moving quick if I refuse to be a quick prompt to do person who's 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 joyful in his doing, whatever it is, giving or moving or doing whatever the Lord told me to do. And that's why I think it was so powerful when we were in the service earlier and we were saying that the 33 people give $300. The people who did it then, they were set. I'm not saying if you didn't have it, but I'm saying the pe there were people who said, I'll do it when we get through. Sure. And there are people who said, I'll do it right now. Or I do but it the, Tuesday. Or, yeah. but, but if you don't have it, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you had the ability and you didn't do it then, you are not setting yourself up to receive. You will have people in your life designed to help you who have the ability, but they don't do it then. And if you and, and I and I want to say because I want people to always know this about our ministry. If you don't have the three hundred dollars, don't 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 put yourself in a bind trying to do something. Ask the Lord, Lord, what should I give? And give that. And give that. And if you give that. Man, you have done everything God's asked you to do. That's what you but done. at the same time, don't be like, well, I, I'll just give what I can spare. No, no, no. Don't give what you can spare. Give what God told you to give, even if that causes you to stretch. Even if you say, well, God tells God, you may be like, well, God told me to give 500. I don't know how I'm going to do that. That's fine. Say, God, I thank you that I have the 500 to give. Now I'm open to have you want me to give it. And then believe God for it. But don't put yourself, don't, 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 don't do, and I, I just, I have to say this to people, you know, if, if God told you yes, but I'm saying, don't go out and borrow your money. Don't give Amen. on a, don't give on a credit card because you're trying to, you're trying to be in faith. Ask God what he wants you to give and how he wants you to give it and just be obedient to that. Just be obedient to that. I can't stress that enough. You don't go to places and, and, then, and then give under compulsion. Uh, or give like I'm trying. Well, I'm trying to be one of the 33. Listen, just give what God told you to give. And if you're one of the 33, great. But if not, give your best gift, and you are still partnered with us because that's what we did. We all gave our best gift. Amen. Does this make sense to you guys? Do you understand what we're saying, right? I, because we, this is faith is so foundational to Christianity. It really that is. That if you don't get this you're going to struggle to walk with God. And we and don't, then you're going to question God's love for you. Yes. And you're going to stop being obedient. Yes. It is so important to understand this. So we believe for wisdom. We believe for favor. We believe for a miracle. We believe, we believe for, for a plan, plan of, of action. action. Somebody sitting there right now need to say to the Lord, I need a plan. Yes. I need a plan. But and then I, you need to follow that plan. You need to follow the plan. But I need y'all to understand this. God does not always give plans like math formulas. That's right. 
God does not always tell you step one, two, and three. He may just tell you step one. He may just tell you step one. And the truth of it is, is that God is not interested in giving you step two. Because why do I need to give you step two when you won't do step one? Mm. There are so many people out here who are like looking for something <laughs> deep from God. Why do I need to teach you how to put the car in cruise control when you can't stay between the lines yet? <laughs> no, you Please gotta, don't you, put the car in cruise control. I, I, I got to teach you how to just guide the car before you start doing cruise control. So you're exactly right. Why am I interested in giving you step two, three, four, and five when you won't just walk out step one? You won't just walk out step one, right? Amen. They're saying it. God, I need a plan. God, I need a plan. Give you a plan. And then you got to do the plan. He will give you a plan. There are people here, and I ain't trying, I ain't gonna call y'all out, but there are people here on this thing. I know you got a plan. I know the Lord gave you a plan. Your issue is you haven't developed five. Mm. You haven't developed five. Come on, talk about what the five the is strength to endure till change comes. Mm -hmm. The spiritual fortitude, fortitude. and wherewithal <laughs> to patiently, consistently, consistently stand fast until manifestation shows up. It is the will. It is the will to never, to never give up. We don't cave in and we don't quit. I, I just want to say this because y'all know I try to be led by the spirit. There are some people out here watching and you are partners of this ministry and you are believing for increase. But I want you to hear what the spirit of the Lord says. Increase does not belong to you because you will not participate in the mm. system. Mm. Increase will not does not belong to you. You do not qualify for increase because you will not participate in the system of God. And this is what the Lord says. And if it's you, you ain't got to say ouch because he knows it's you. When there are opportunities to give, you never give. Not even five dollars. Mm. You don't sow seeds. You don't even consistently tithe. And you need to hear me when I say this. He will not make an exception for you. Mm. You need to hear me when I say this. He is unmoved by your trauma. He is unmoved by Come your on. legitimate Come excuse on. for what you think Come you on. have for your disobedience. As long as you stay in this state of rebellion and disobedience, even the idea he gave you is capped. Mm, mm, mm. That's the word of the Lord. Now I got a word for some other people. You have been consistently sowing. You have been faithful. You may not have been doing it a long time. You've maybe only been consistent in it a year or two. The Lord says, don't get weary in well-doing because there is a point where that cloud gets full and rain falls continuously. So if you have been wondering, is anything happening? Is anything moving? Don't allow what you can't see yet to interfere with what God has said to you. You keep sowing. You keep giving. You keep you keep being faithful. You keep being the prompt to do giver, even when it seems like people not prompt to do to give to you. Because there is coming a moment when what is happening in the spirit begins to pour out in the natural. And for in due season, if you faint not, what is that scripture? In due season, if you faint not, you shall reap. Mm. Some of you don't even realize how close you are to harvest. Mm. 
You are so incredibly close to harvest. And it's just like when you go outside and you can see, the Bible says in the natural, we can look and see when it's about to rain. And that's why the Lord had me to give the first word first, because what I'm about to say now, this is for the people who have been obeying. It's about to rain on your head. Mm. It's about to rain on your head. You're about to see. You're about to see what God says. And if you will not lose hope, if you will not cave in, and if you will not quit in a year from now, you will look back and according to Psalms, your mouth will be filled with laughter because you won't even understand how God did it. Mm -hmm. But he's doing it. He's doing it. But he's doing it. And it's very important that that first group know you don't qualify. Mm. You are not an exception. God is not making an exception for you. Come some on. of you, God has been very patient and he has been long suffering with, but you still won't come out of that rebellion regarding seed time and harvest, which is really a heart issue and an obedience issue. You are not an exception. He is not making an exception for you. You can confess all you want to. You can run around all you want to. You can slap our hands all you want to. But if you do not obey, you do not qualify. Indeed. Amen. Indeed. Amen. That's you know, I, it's, I, I think it's a great place to end for today. You know, 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it's a simple saying, mm -hmm. but it's so true. We walk by faith and not by sight. Mm -hmm. That means that I obey God even when I don't see how obeying God is going to benefit me. Mm -hmm. now, I'm just, I'm just being because, because the truth of the matter, there are times in our lives where we go, but how is doing this going to benefit me? That. I mean, let's just be honest. How is it, it going to do anything? How, how, how is, Pastor, you're talking about, I don't qualify. Okay. Because I haven't been tithing because I haven't been giving, I haven't been obeying God, but how is me doing that going to benefit me? Try it. <laughs> Try it and see. It's what God says. It's the only place I think in the Bible where he actually tells us to prove him. He says, prove me. But I'm telling you, those three things I mentioned earlier, you really, really, really got to get those. You got to get those. You got to know how much God loves you. You got to understand the importance of walking by faith and how important it is to be obedient to God in every area. Because disobedience is the highway for destruction. And that's what the enemy wants us to walk down. He wants us to walk. That's why the Bible, you know, I think about, what is it, Philippians 4 and 6? And it says, don't be anxious or worried about anything. It says, but pray, and, uh, but pray about everything. Uh, tell God what you want. It says, through prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Uh, and and, and, and if, if we get to the place where we don't become anxious and worried, and we can understand those three things, I am telling your life, it just, it's like a, when Pastor Ralph was, was teaching us about compounded interest, and I always think about now when I think about how God blesses us, it's like it starts like this, but then before you know it, it's not like a, 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 a it's like a whoop, I mean, just straight up. And it's like when you when you when you start to get a couple things under your belt that you understand and can walk out consistently, your life just takes off. Absolutely. It just takes off. It's just it just it just it just soars into the stratosphere because God wants to do so much for us, but yes. he needs our participation. He needs our participation. I was thinking about this. When God changed our marriage, he was really teaching us a very fundamental truth, right? Mm -hmm. And what he was teaching us is that my obedience is not contingent on yours. Right. My obedience must be contingent on my belief in God. Yep. 
a lot of believers when it comes to giving, they believe someone else's disobedience is an excuse for their disobedience. Right, right. So maybe because somebody hustled you, maybe because somebody pressured you into giving, you now think that their disobedience is justification for your disobedience. Right. But at the end of the day, we are all rewarded according to our own oh. obedience, mm -hmm. which is why God kept saying to both of us, stop worrying about what mm -hmm. the other person is doing mm -hmm. and do what I'm telling you to do. Right. And many of you have used the excuse of other people too long. And that's what we're going to get wow. rid of today as you get ready to give your yeah. offering and you rededicate your life. Yeah. You, other people have been your excuse for too long. You fornicate because other people fornicate. Mm. You don't live right because other people don't live right. You don't give because somebody ran a hustle. And today you need to throw down the idolatry of other people. I don't care what your daddy didn't do. I don't care what your husband ain't doing. I don't care what your mama didn't do. I don't care what your last pastor didn't teach you. Today you need to throw down the idolatry of other people because other people is a form of idolatry because it says I don't have to obey God in my marriage because it wouldn't. Wow. I don't have to do what God said because somebody else. Because somebody else. Mm. Because somebody else. But today we're going to use our own faith. Today we're going to use our own we're gonna faith. We're going to use our own obedience. And we're going to throw down. Mm -hmm. We're going to throw down. Who is that for? These people that you know that in the back of your mind or even in the front of your mind that it comes up what other people are doing, have done, or did not do. And you allow that to become a stumbling block for you. You ought to call it out. And you ought to say, I'm going I see Chris say, I'm responsible for me. Don mm -hmm. said, I'm responsible for me. Mm -hmm. Destiny said, I throw down idolatry. I it is I, and that's the thing that I say all the time. I have committed to obey God. My life is on me. My and, and what I mean by that is I, I don't get to abdicate obeying God because somebody else didn't, or because somebody did something to me. My relationship between me and God is between me and God. I'm responsible for me. I'm responsible for me. Responsible. So when God said to me, I don't want you to come in this room one more time talking to me about what you would do if Sean did. If you're not going to come in here and talk to me about what I can tell you to do, don't come back in this room. He told me the same thing. Don't come back in this bathroom crying no more. Talk to me about it. Some of you still in that bathroom talking about something that happened 10 years ago. And I need you to hear me. You are not disobedient today because of something that happened Come 10 on. years ago. Come you are on. not disobedient no. today. You are disobedient. Because the last 10 years you've been practicing disobedience. You are disobedient. That's why you've been disobedient. practicing disobedience. Mm -hmm. I am responsible I am. for me. Responsible and when me. I stand before the Lord. Yep. The only account I'm ever going to have to give That's it. is for me. He's not going to make I, me give an account for you. He is not going to make me give an account not. for you. And many of you have never decided that you're obeying God if nobody else does. Mm. Nobody can else. We, can we have them say, say this in the comment section? I'm obeying God even if no one else does. I'm obeying God if nobody else does. I'm obeying God. I'm writing myself. I'm obeying God if nobody else does. I'm and I say this to God. inner circle all the time. You got to walk through your mind and say, what would I do 
if my husband quit serving God, if my kids quit serving God, if my friends quit serving God, I'm walking with God. I don't care what nobody else does. Because last time I checked, it ain't nobody but Jesus Christ mm -hmm. who redeemed me. I thank God for every relationship I have. I thank God for every person he has put in my life. But I'm obeying God. It don't nobody else Man, obey it God. It be 64 people. It is. And let <laughs> me tell you that. something. I'm obeying that God some of you parents, nobody else does. Some of you parents need to break up with this idea that your kid's struggle is permission for your disobedience. Mm -hmm. That your kid, you, come on, you ought to just call it out. If it's you, you ought to say, that's me. Your every time your kids get in a crisis, every time your kids get in a problem, what you do is run over there and get involved instead of praying and doing what God told you to do. Now you all off course, walking in anxiety. So the enemy use your kids to just keep you distracted. He use your kids to keep you distracted. I'm obeying God if nobody else. And does. you better understand this. God, the enemy, just like God used people, the enemy does too. I'm and God. God will, and the enemy will use the people closest to you mm. to get you to be disobedient. And God. it will be easy for you to justify because you go, but that's my daughter, mm. but that's my son, mm. but that's my husband. And you need to make a covenant right now. Alicia said, that's her. Come out of that in Jesus' name. Mm. Somebody need to make a decision today that my new dedication for God is that nobody's more important than God. Mm. Not my kids, not not my husband, not my pets, not my job. I'm, I'm not God. disobeying God Even for none no of y'all. For does. none of y'all. Teresa said, that's mm -hmm. me. I'm obeying BJ God. said, that's me. I'm obeying God. Come on, you need to call that thing out. See, because you need to understand the Bible says, don't be ignorant. And I know we're going a little bit over, but somebody need to get free today. You need to understand um, you need to understand that the enemy's strategy, just like God uses people, the enemy does too. And the enemy will use the people closest to you mm -hmm. to get you to get into rebellion and disobedience. And many of you think you're doing good things, but I want you to hear this. Many of you, you have rescued your family multiple times and they still have not changed. Come on. And, but, but your life ain't getting better. And that's how you know the oil of God isn't on it. Because when we help people, the oil will get on our life that will increase us when it was supposed to do. Many of you are literally standing in between God and your children mm. because you keep getting involved because you don't want them to have any pain. But this is what the Bible says. Some people come to Jesus because they recognize love. But some people come because of pain. And when we interfere with the pain that disobedience is bringing people in, we keep them from coming to God. Mm. I, and you, I say this, I will, not, I will not play God for my children. I will not play God for my family. I, I, I will not play God for my job. For my friends. For my friends. I will not play God. I will not play God. Listen, did you get something from today's message? We still talking about don't limit God. We're, we're gonna, not going to limit God. We're going to come back because he ain't done yet. He's not done yet. He's not done yet. And some of you need to realize, I hear the spirit of the Lord saying this. When you will throw down that idolatrous relationship that you have with people you love, it may initially feel a little lonely. 
but the breakthrough that's going to come to your family because you do it. The breakthrough that's going to come to your family, and I need you to hear me. They may not understand at first. They may talk about you at first. Mm -hmm. They may get mad at you at first. But you got to have that strength to endure. But you got to have that strength to endure. And on the other side of that, there is going to be breakthrough for many of you in your family. Mm. And it is going to come because where the enemy has manipulated you, he has manipulated you into believing that the love of God means showing up, rescuing, and putting up with anything. Mm. And that is not what the love of God is. That's it right. cannot be the love of God if it's not what God would do in the situation. Mm -hmm. Did you hear what I said? It cannot be the love of God. So hear what I'm saying. Somebody in your family comes to you with a money problem again. And the people who are coming to you with money problems again, they're not following your previous instructions. Mm. They don't follow your perceived pre previous instructions. You've said to them, you need to get in the word. You've said to them, you need to come to church. You've said to them, you need to budget better. You've said to them, you need to quit living with that man, quit living with that woman, and they won't do it. And then what the enemy whispers to you is strict. If you do this for them, it's going to show the love of God. It's not showing the love of God when God already told you not to do it. Right, it's showing your disobedience. It is showing your disobedience. So, Alicia said, I repent for being a Amen. fixer. Amen. Come on. Listen, it's still time to get to the fire experience. Yeah. December 9th and 10th, we're going to close the registration. I believe it's on December 3rd. And so, about a week out. But listen, you should get here. You should come. Today is a great day. Lord, we repent for anything that we have exalted above you and any places we have allowed ourselves to be exalted mm -hmm. above you. Mm -hmm. We ask that you would forgive us and we break up with any mm -hmm. need to play God and any need to let someone else be God in our lives. Mm -hmm. There is one true and living God and it is you. Yeshua is your name. Mm -hmm. And we ask that you would cleanse us and that you would forgive us yes. and that you would help us to walk righteously. Mm -hmm. And everything that has been withheld for because of our disobedience, we call for it to be released as we walk in obedience. Amen. We know that it is your desire for us to have great progress. We know that you want us to prosper in every area. And so we choose to say yes, yes to, you. to you. We give everybody we yes. love to you. Yes. You love them more than we do. We give them to you and we trust you with their lives. Amen. We remove ourselves from Godship in the lives of the people that we love. Amen. And we thank you for it in Jesus name. Now it's your opportunity to give. It's your opportunity to give. You ought to call today's seed, your breakthrough seed, but ways to give, push, pay, tithely, give, lify, text to give, or if you're an international partner, PayPal at FOCChurchNWA at Gmail. Amen. And then we don't want to forget Giving Tuesday. That's right. Man, we're, I know we're going to make the double for Giving Tuesday. I know that we are. We're so excited about what God is doing in your life. Every partner should participate. Every, par every, partner. every partnership participate. Every partner. No gift is too small. Everybody should obey God. Everybody should obey God. And we just want you to meditate. We want you to go back and listen to this teaching again. We really want you to get to the point that you're committed to obey God. Why? So you can receive the wisdom. You can receive the favor. You can receive the miracle. 
you can receive the plan of action and that you will be fortified and have strength to endure until what God has said in the natural mm -hmm. in the spirit becomes mm -hmm. your natural reality. Amen. And Amen. we love you so much. We want you to come to Strategies for Success. We want you to come to Tuesday night prayer. We want you to come to Wednesday night Bible study. We want you to get your kids in Ignite and Victory Zone. We want you to come to Champion Circle Prayer. And then we want you to meet Pastor Chris back here next week at 9 a.m. Listen, man, that'll be just one week from the huddle. So I know everything is going to be on fire. We're all excited. We love you guys. We thank God for you. Listen. This is your season to obey God so you can receive all he has for you. Mm -hmm. Don't settle, partners. Mm -hmm. Don't settle, fam. Don't settle. Get it all. Let your life be a testimony. Let your life be a billboard of what God can do with a submitted vessel. Amen. 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 We love y'all. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.